Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hello everyone and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and questions. 303-690-3000. Yes, with the squeaky chair and all. I still haven't found the wd-40 and not even sure where i would spray it on the chair but yes uh you might hear the squeaky chair in the background but i'm working on it <laughs> 303-690-3000 is the number uh, call let's get on the air let's talk about what the lord is doing what he wants to do what's on your heart what's on your mind I can't help but remind you that our Refresh Conference is tomorrow. It starts tomorrow night. Uh, we have, over the years, changed the format of the conference so that it's a Friday night and Saturday. Uh, we found that most people can really carve that out of their lives, uh, carve their spiritual lives. So we have kind of extended worship and teaching tomorrow night. The theme is unity. Uh, and then tomorrow, and then Saturday morning, we are... Uh, going to be uh, worshiping and studying the word. Some giveaways. We have some surprises, uh, but more than more than anything, we have in-person fellowship and worship together. It's needed. Uh, it doesn't matter what church you're in. It doesn't matter whether Calvary's a part. If you're a part of the Calvary family or not, uh, we want you here. We want your leaders here, your elders, Sunday school teachers. Trust me, uh, people. We we need. To the people want to get together. Uh, we don't need the government telling us whether we're essential or not. We really don't. We are essential. The Church of God, the Church of Jesus Christ, is essential. But if it's not treated that way, if we're, well, you know, I'll go if I want, I'll hang out if I want, I'll serve if I want, but I've got too many other things to do, and I don't even, you know, it doesn't even, I'll segue into just your regular participation in the local church forget about refresh uh your local participation you blow off the church then you do so at your own peril uh, and i don't it, it, the, the government doesn't declare to us what's essential what's not essential and don't don't be surprised the the, the government looks at the church and go oh you guys aren't essential well because you don't know anything about you're lifeless you're living in darkness uh, you don't have the spirit of god inside of you uh, the things that you call essential, um, really, if you had spiritual eyes, you'd see how, well, I don't even know, I'm a loss for words, you'll see how non-essential they are, I guess, it's it's sad, um, but we were all there, I was there until I was 23, I was there until I was born again, I didn't think the church was important, I didn't think Christianity was important, I didn't think the Bible was important, but God got a hold of my heart. Is that why God tells us to pray for our leaders? He doesn't tell us to pray for our leaders for our own comfort and ease. He doesn't tell us to pray for our leaders so that 
uh, we can continue on like nothing ever happened. He instructs us to pray for our leaders so they might be saved. That's how peace and comfort and safety comes through the salvation of men and women. Um, that, so come to Refresh. Go to our website, calvaryco.church slash refresh. Uh, our church offices are open today and tomorrow. If you want to call for more information, 303-628-7200. That's our church number. Folks will be there to answer if you have any questions about Refresh. But it's a conference that's not a conference. We call it a conference because just because that's what people can associate with where we're gathering together. But it's more of a fellowship gathering. Uh, it's more of a opportunity to have iron sharpening iron together. That's great. 303-690-3000. Carol's calling in Centennial, Colorado. Carol, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ed. Hello. I go to Calvary Chapel and have a question. Um, Okay. I have a friend I've known for 30-plus years, and and, um, she's never had a lot, and so I have had more. And over the years, I've tried to just be very generous and you know, give to her as needed, not necessarily money, but when she comes to town, feeding her, housing her, um, you know, I, I don't ask anything in return. And like, I, I just want to be generous, you know, I want to give, for to give and share, I think, of the book of Acts. Okay. And I'm getting frustrated, though, mm. because... Um, you know, I feel like we're to give out of generosity and out of our heart, and I don't see anything on her part, um, even to, you know, buy my husband and I a Chick-fil-A sandwich, not even to offer. And so, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about this culture of, you know, taking and you owe me this. And, and with her, I kind of feel like she's gotten used to it, and in her heart... She doesn't offer to do anything, nothing. And I just, you know, I, I need to broach the subject with her. I'm just kind of praying about how to say that right now to her and in a few days. Right. And I want to, you know, and in my own heart to do it right biblically, to share with her if I'm to continue sharing. And yet, you know, I'm a baby boomer, a few years older than you, and... I don't ask anybody for anything. It's hard for me to ask. So maybe those are some of my issues, too. Yeah, I think that one of the things, there's a lot of factors of what you're describing uh, that uh, are multi-layered that the Holy Spirit, I think, is trying to reveal. Uh, the The reality of our giving, see, we're we're caught up in our culture, too, and we've been influenced by our culture, too. So your friend has, and so have you. And part of our culture has this sense of giving to get. And it's finally caught up to you. You're at a place where you've been, you, you, if you can think of your hands like scales, and you've been okay for a long time, blessing, giving. I mean, you've experienced this. You know what it's like when Jesus said, it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I, I love to give. I love the... Um, uh, I love the effect in someone's life. I love the the benefit if it's a gift card or a restaurant. I, I mean, I love to give. That that's something that how God has made me uh, over the years. And and yet, if I'm not careful, 
I'll begin to measure my giving by what I get in return and forget that my, my, my perspective is off. Like if I'm giving, then I'm giving as unto the Lord. And if I'm giving as unto the Lord, then, and that means tithes, offerings, that means my friend, that means um, people that don't give in return, uh, that means people that even demand things from me uh, that you kind of look at it and go, what? What kind of what, what kind of relationship do we really have? Um, however, going back to the scales, you know, it's kind of caught up to you. And what's being what's happening is your your pride is being pricked because it started out well, but now that the response has sort of been, uh, what's the word? Because this does frustrate us all, so it's not unique to you, um, but it frustrates it all. What's that, that entitlement? That that sense of entitlement really gets to, look, I can speak for myself, it really gets to me. Uh, we live in a culture that, that really has encouraged entitlement, and we have to be careful because we live in this culture. And there is a little thought in the back of our mind, if I give, that entitles me. I want it reciprocated because that's what friendships are. That's what relationships are. Generally, friendships and relationships, we reciprocate love. We enjoy receiving and giving we respect one another like so you can see all the layers that are being pulled back and really what's happening is god is showing you and almost if the holy spirit if you could hear the holy spirit saying all right what are you giving for you know if you don't want to give for no reason other than to honor me then stop giving to this lady period just stop it and then tell her tell her i can't give you any more because i can't do it under the lord because it makes me mad that because uh, that's part of the that's the other side of the coin of her lack of reciprocation, her lack of giving, even that attitude of entitlement. And so, in times like these, as we're assessing it, the more difficult part actually isn't talking to her about it. The more difficult part is admitting to the Lord where my heart is, um, because if I'm really giving unto the Lord out of the abundance that God is, if I really believe that everything I have is from the Lord, and if I really believe that he blesses me beyond, um, if I really believe what the Bible tells me, then I'm going to continue to give, and I'm going to give through the pain, and I'm going to give through the anger and the frustration. But because you have a relationship, I'm also going to have a talk. I, I think it's perfectly appropriate for you to ask some key questions and 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 give this gal the benefit of the doubt before we make any judgments on her and say, you know, I've noticed over the years in our friendship that in relationship to giving, it seems like we give to you more than you give to us. What do you think about that? And it's a defining moment in your friendship because really it's nothing, it's not really anything about giving as much as it is realigning our expectations in our friendship. Because we have a lot of different friends, right? I, I wonder if you have any friends that I'll give you. I, I know I do. I know there are people, as much as I love to give, I, there are people in my life that outgive me, and I'm like, wow, um, that's pretty cool to be, have somebody like that in my life. And then I have other people in my life that I hardly hear from them um, in a year, and uh, and and yet they're all my friends. I love them, care for them, and I have a variety of people in my life. Just like I fit somebody's, I've, I'm a friend to someone that fits in the spectrum of their life as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you, uh, I appreciate you kind of role-playing that about what to say and asking her those questions. 
Um, and, you, and you know what you said when you said there's other friends that maybe give more than I do, that made me think about how actually in the last year I fell, I feel, and maybe some of it's COVID, you know, people are not really in my life except when they want something. And I feel like then they come to me, notify me, call me instead of text me um, to ask for something. And be it family or friends, and I'm just becoming more aware of that, and it yes. it hurts my feelings. I feel used. Yeah, I would, I, I would so, say. So let me give you a different perspective. Let me give you a different perspective because I, I I like how you're how you're framing it within COVID. I like how you're framing it in the context of feelings, uh, and I like how you describe how you are known as a generous person. And what you interpret as being taken advantage of, and you very well could be taken advantage of, I don't know, but it's possible, probably likely, that some of these folks are taking advantage of you. But you're known as a giver. You're known as a source of resources. You're known as someone that helps. And those actually aren't all that bad characteristics and descriptions of a person. You're not a person that's avoided. You're not a person that's made fun of. You're not a person that says, oh, she's stingy. She never helps anybody. Um, you have Those are actual wonderful characteristics to be known by. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to give to everyone. I mean, God's going to lead you in the Holy Spirit um, who you're to give to, but to have that kind of, that kind of, that kind of personality and reputation is a good thing. Now, when you factor within COVID, and the isolation and the difficulty and the quarantine and you know you're like man i'm not i don't i'm in a I, i'm not going to speak for you but let's just say man i've i've worked hard i've set aside i've saved i'm not in a position where i have to ask anybody for anything um and you kind of get like offended or like you said your feelings get hurt but in it sounds like you're a pretty wise person that knows how to use their resources that has a tendency to say yes. And let's just say you may have created this yourself by being so generous and it's just caught up to you and you're tired of being used and you're tired of not being reciprocated and it's it's weighing on you and it's grading up against you. But these are the, these are the opportunities for spiritual growth because that could be the way that God puts you in the body. You're just a giver. Um, and you might need to learn to use the word no Maybe you give by the fear of man sometimes, and you say yes when you should say no. Uh, maybe you need to learn that when somebody calls you, that uh, you take control of the conversation. You know, you give the respect and the the request, but then you go, "Well, let me pray about it. Give me a week, and I'll let you know." And you pray for it in a week. You know, there's other ways that you can take control of the situation, so that if you have to say no, or if the Lord leads you to say no, you give yourself time to do that. But it's it's not such a bad thing to be known as a generous person. So in summary, you are saying though it is it could be a spiritual problem in our hearts um, that I'm keeping track perhaps too much if I give ninety nine and she gives one percent over years that that's something I need to look at spiritually. I think so. I think that we we want to we know that things are happening externally. You, you describe the situation. You're going to sit down and clarify with her. But only you know what's happening internally and saying, God, why am I feeling like this? Like, I've been a generous person my whole life. Why am I upset about it? 
what is so upsetting to me about it? And then the answer will be, well, um, she doesn't care about me, and that hurts your feelings. And, and the, you can hear God say, well, I care about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really, I really give, and I, she should know how, and she always comes, and I'm sick of being taken advantage. You can hear God say, well, then don't be taken advantage of. Yeah. And it's very say hard no. for me to ask her <laughs> for, hey, when you come this time, you can stay with us for the days you've asked, but buy us a, you know, like I say, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know, it's, it's hard for me to ask for things. I am not very good about that. Well, well you know, I think, I think that when you have people come too to your house, there's a sense of hosting them and hospitality and, you know, the... The reality, the real way to test this on buying a Chick Fil A sandwich is uh, invite <laughs> yourself to her house and see how she treats you, or you know the yeah. uh, the 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 opportunity, or or setting ground rules, right? And then the next time she comes, you say, you know, uh, we're going to change things up this time, and and when you come, we're going to share on the costs. We're going to go shopping, and we're what do you th- or just say what do you think about sharing the costs? We're going to go shopping, fill the re- refrigerator. Let's go halves on it. And then we're going to go out to eat four times. That's you get two, I get two. And that way you're setting expectations instead of having unrealistic expectations. Listen, right now in your relationship with the way you described with your friend, it is absolutely unrealistic for you to expect for her to buy you and your husband a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And you go, Ed, how do you know? Well, because she just... She hasn't done it. That's not on her radar. She right. Maybe she just loves you guys because you're the only ones that are generous to her. Who knows? But well, as you really, and, and um, I want to be careful because it's only a radio show, right? But I really don't think you want her to buy you a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I don't think that it, would matter. I don't necessarily care monetarily. I just want out of her heart for her to show some kind of, Something, offer something, pull my weed. I mean, <laughs> offer offer something. Like I say, 1%, I'll do 99 for six years. So anyway, okay, well, thank you. You've given me some things to think about, and I appreciate and here's your, some other uh, thoughts. your examples. Here's, here's some other thoughts. You know, you, mm-hmm. like, like, like children, kids are different. And so some of the kids, some of my kids would go, I'm going to go pull the weeds by myself. And other kids, I've got to tell to do it. And then I got to keep telling them, keep telling them, keep telling them. I still love them. The weeds still get pulled, but I'll live a life of frustration if I expect from kid three what kid number one does or kid two what kid three does. Like, if you really want her to pull weeds, just one day go out and say, let's go pull <laughs> weeds together. Yeah. And if you, and that way that, I know you're not getting exactly what you want, but you're actually getting outside of the that sense of if she would just do this, I would feel better. And instead, just choosing to enjoy her, choosing to involve her. And, and maybe that's just her role in your life. God allowed her in your life to rub you in this area, to chafe you in this area so you could learn yeah. one more area to die to yourself. I agree. I agree. And she challenges me, that's for sure. <laughs> but we've been friends for years and years, and she's like a sister in some ways. But I'm just shocked at the all the taking. It just kind of dumbfounds me a bit. Uh, anyway, I won't take up any more of your time. Thank no, you. great question. All right, God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Yeah, you know, the relationships are under strain even more with COVID. I'm glad that uh, COVID was included. You might, you guys listening in might be feeling that too, where just things are strained more than we were. I was sharing, I, I keep sharing with our church, wanting to help us all remember that some of us were on the edge to begin with, and COVID just pushed us over. And, you know, the, the, the political environment, the divisiveness, the government nonsense, um, the real virus, the fear of sickness, the fear of, of dying, which is real, the fear of infecting someone else, like it is overwhelming. And if you're feeling on edge, that's normal. You are feeling what's normal for a person that's experiencing the things you're experiencing them the way that you're, you're not weird um, or at least this part of that life is not weird. This is normal. And it requires us more to press into the things of God abiding in him. All right, let's go down to Colorado Springs. Robin, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Hey, I am feeling right now really like overwhelmed and I feel like I'm drowning because it was the other day it was I had a member of the church that I go to um he acted completely inappropriate um to me in like a sexual manner it was on Sunday I broke um to this particular person it's he's not in a leadership position he's a member and it's I have a past of um, rape and sexual assault in my early years of college and you know I told him kind of about the stuff but then on Tuesday then he didn't necessarily like rape me but he ended up causing a lot of um, he ended up like taking um, some advantage of me and some physical um, in, sorry I'm trying to find our order kind of like in like a That's little okay. bit of physical sense where he kind of got, um, came on to me um, without my consent, and it's, I'm just really struggling with knowing how to move mm. forward. Well, there's a couple things that are really important. Um, number one, I think you should involve the leadership of your church so they can identify this guy in their church. Um, and they need to talk to him from a leadership perspective of how to make sure that you and any other woman in that church is protected. Um, do you think you could do that? One of those where I did have some biblical counseling at that church today and then it's one of those that then the counselor then said that she went ahead and contacted the pastor about the situation okay very good so we want to make sure that you're protected we want to make sure that he's identified that things are followed up with and and it and to whatever degree biblical discipline or whatever needs to take place this guy's taken care of number one (laughs) number two i'm i'm very, very sorry that you've experienced being violated and hurt and taken advantage of both previously and now this time. And um, I, I want to help you to be careful what you share with people at various stages of friendship, um, because it sounds like the information that was given to this person um, was probably given too early, like you didn't know him enough. Would that is that possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. It's one of those where I didn't like. Um, it's like not like that. I just knew this guy it was someone that I was like, you know, starting to get to know better. And by this point, I knew him pretty well. And but I definitely okay. think that right. it could have 
easily been possible. Well, the Bible Bible does warn us that there are going to be bad people in churches. Uh, they're going to be false teachers. There's going to be people that want to hurt and harm. There's going to there you know people in in our society right now. They see a church and know that there's genuineness, there's sincerity, there is a level of trust right out of the gate, and they come and they try to pray p r e y on young women and young men like you that that would just want to have a friendship and want to heal and want to get past, uh, you know, really deep hurts, uh, that happened in the past. And I know that the, every church has this problem. Uh, people take advantage of people in churches all the time. And I think that you have taken the right steps in getting some help for yourself, healing and counseling. You've notified your uh, leadership so that they can be intervened and get involved. I think in a couple of weeks you should follow up to make sure they did get involved because uh, this is pretty serious stuff. If you were in our church, I would want you, you know, we would already be taking care of it today. The moment we heard about it, because uh, I saw your text come through, we sent it to our prayer team earlier. I'm pretty sure you're the one that texts the prayer line, right? I did yesterday. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry that I'm oh. calling back again. I'm just, no, we like, sent that in. Um, and, and it always reminds me to pray for the protection of our church, to pray for the protection of the ladies of our church, as well as the men, but more so for the ladies. And you have taken all the steps needed to place yourself in a, in a safe place and asking God to heal you so that you don't have flashbacks and you, you stay in a place that's safe, you know, and I think in, in the future, and I don't know how this went down. These are just, I'm just kind of talking to you like if you were my daughter um, I wouldn't be alone with guys so early. I would make sure I'm in a public place. You probably were, and which would help you, you know, be in a much safer place. I, I would try to connect with people in groups uh, rather than, especially in the early stages of a friendship and the relationship development. Um, and I would be very, and I'm just telling you personally, I'd be very careful in sharing that. That is such a deep, vulnerable place in your life that very few people should know about it um, mm -hmm. on that relational because there are people that would take advantage and interpret that as not pain of not you being in hurting, uh, not you being someone that needs extra care and comfort in this area, but they would view it to take advantage of it and think you're weak and want to hurt you. And, you know, on a scale of one to 10, that's a 10 of private of, a, of an issue of privacy. So your friends need to be at the 10 level. Um, does that make sense? You know, if you, like on one level would be, well, let, let me just say a one level would be, I like chocolate chip ice cream. You could tell anybody that I like the color blue, but this is such a vulnerable, painful place that it's on a whole different level of, and it would take a long time for that to be shared. Um, and, and, and who knows, that may have nothing to do with it. That's just advice for the future. It may have, he just could be an absolute rotten person uh, that you need to stay the heck away from. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, and now it's one of those things. It's like now I kind of feel like that. Then it's my fault that then this has happened. So how do I handle that type of guilt? Okay, so it is one hundred percent not your fault. I can tell you. I can assure you, you are not responsible for someone else's sinful behavior. You are not responsible for someone's stupid behavior. Uh, you're not responsible for someone trying to hurt you or harm you. Um, the advice that I'm sharing with you is more of helping you build a wall around your hurt heart 
so that you only let the people in that can help you and not hurt you. Uh, but in mm-hmm. no way is it assigning blame to you. This is not and never will be your fault. You did nothing wrong with this person hurting you this way. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the truth. And, you know, you're in a spiritual battle and you're vulnerable. It's a vulnerable, painful place. And it will be. You you know, it's not an open, gaping wound anymore, but it's a scar. Uh, and it's a painful scar. And God did not design his daughters uh, to be taken advantage of and to be hurt and to be uh, hurt like you have. And I'm sorry that it's happened. But God is with you. He's going to keep you strong. And you have been brave to take all the steps up front. And I'm proud of you for it. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Hey, you hear the music. We're going to be right back. Uh, This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. And we're glad that you joined us. Sometimes we take some really heavy calls and um, I'm grateful for the bravery of of Robin, who would share a little bit of her story of rape and sexual assault, and now in pursuing another uh, friendship, uh, a young man um, hurting her all over again, not as far as last time, but being in that position. And I think there's a couple things I'd like to draw out from that previous conversation that are important for us that are listening Number one, uh, I want I want to draw out for you and remind you that Robin sits next to you in church. Uh, she comes to the women's Bible studies. Uh, she teaches in Sunday school. Uh, she is a part of the body of Christ. That and Robin uh, has different names in different churches, of course, both female uh, predominantly, but also male men have been taken advantage of or hurt. The hurting people sit next to you. Those that have been raped those that have been hurt, those that have been abused, neglected, uh, those that have experienced adultery, fornication, uh, betrayal, they're they're in our church. They are are our church. We are all walking wounded to one degree or another, but some are hurting deeper than others. The good news is that Jesus Christ does bring healing and hope He does help us not to cope with things, but to overcome things. He helps us to learn how to live. He takes us through the grieving process. He heals our wounds. He bandages bandages us up and uh, heals the brokenness in our lives and teaching us in our weakness. He's made strong. His strength is made perfect. But also uh, the good news is that you're in their life, that you can be an encouragement. You can be a help. You can, it's not just merely a Bible or a radio program that can help you or the body of Christ. And it was very encouraging to hear that as the sister goes in for counseling, that the counselor is going to tell the leadership of the church. And you guys that are listening in that might be praying, P-R-E-Y, on women in churches. You might be taking advantage of them. You might be going to a church so you can uh, hurt a girl. You're not wanted. Either repent 
or or leave. You're not wanted in the church, and you won't last forever. You won't get away with it. And so either repent and get right with the Lord or leave. And we pray against you, literally. Uh, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, sometimes a wolf in wolf's clothing, and you're not wanted. You're to be dealt with. We're to mark those that divide the body of Christ, and the, we're to mark those that hurt others. We're to call you to repentance or place you under spiritual discipline, uh, church discipline. And uh, you are not wanted. Uh, you are not welcome. You know, I know these churches uh, have these signs. <laughs> I, I drive out, everybody's welcome. Well, not everybody's welcome at Calvary. And not if you're going to take advantage. If you're a wolf, you're not welcome. Uh, we, we escort wolves to the curb. Uh, we protect the innocent in our church. We protect the ladies. Uh, we protect the guys. Uh, we protect the church to the best of our ability. We don't mess around. Uh, and I pray that other pastors and churches would do the same. Um, the, we support our local police department. We believe that the police department should be overfunded, not defunded. We have police officers that are believers in our church, both in uniform and not in uniform. We have former police officers. We have men and women that work uh, in the that have worked in uh, different levels of the police department, detectives, and um, look, look, uh, don't hurt the people of the church. And you heard it. You heard it. Um, I'm grateful that the sister didn't break down in tears. Um, I'm grateful that she was honest. I'm grateful that she was in a position where she could ask clarifying questions so that uh, she doesn't hang up with any misunderstandings. And um, if, you're in, um, if you're in a similar position with uh, our sister that just called, um, we believe the same for you. Um, and we want you to. Uh, to be strengthened and protected. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. We're going to go back to the phone lines uh, and pick up uh, in Aurora. Uh, Stephen is in Aurora. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. <laughs> Always listen to you guys when I can. Um, so I just had kind of a, I don't know if you'd call it a conviction a little bit or so on my heart, um, just thinking about what's going on in our country, in the world, in our government, uh, pertaining to, um, you know, just even this COVID and being forced to wear masks and all that and elsewhere what's going on around the, the country and pertaining to that. I, I just want to be really sensitive because I know I don't want to make light of anyone's thoughts or put my opinion out there as being be you know so bold or only um but i mean we would be blind to, to not see that there's definitely an agenda behind this um this whole covid this whole wearing masks forcing us to do things that we don't necessarily all agree on um and i know i've heard your take on that kind of thing in the past pastor ed um, yeah. through your radio show and everything and just yes trying to basically be an example to the world in doing that um, yes. And then I see churches in, in on the west side, in California, um, Jack Hibbs, he's an amazing pastor, I love the guy to death, and just the stance that he's taking, and, well, I know, I know in California's a little bit different, because they're kind of trying to force churches not to meet, but the fact that he's saying, you know what, there's there's no reason for this, 
you're attacking the church, we're going to meet regardless. And I don't think anyone in this congregation even wear masks. And we were, I was, we were kind of talking about this. I was thinking about this. Masks as being part of something that the government is basically forcing our way, saying, hey, there's not a huge conclusive evidence saying that they work or don't work, but we're going to make you, in other words, you can't buy or sell, you can't go do business without wearing this mask. And it sounds a little familiar, sounds something like that might come, like the mark of the beast. Obviously, masks aren't the mark of the beast, but something that could allude up to that. And so I've been really convicted lately saying, hey, is that pertaining to in church when we worship? Um, is that something that we need to say, hey, government, okay, sure, we'll follow, and, and you know, to be good and be a good example? Or kind of like what Jack Hibbs is kind of doing and saying, you know what, no, you are this there's some there's an evil spirit behind this and we're going to stand up for christ we're going to stand up for that kind of a thing um what what would you say kind of on that matter well you know there's a it's a multi-layered question that you have it's there's a lot there's a lot to consider in relationship to our current government governmental overreach with a real virus that has uh, led to some real death and sicknesses and challenges globally um, so let me see if I can parse it out. Number one, uh, it doesn't surprise me that the church is waning in popularity and culture toward the coming of the Lord. The Bible says that's going to happen. I've been teaching the Bible for 27 years, 28 years. I've been saying this for 28 years. Um, I've sat under pastors that have been saying this for the 30 years I've been saved. Uh, this should not surprise us. Uh, I don't know why Christians are freaking out like, oh, no, the government's against us. Oh, no, the government are making decisions against us. We should appeal to the Constitution so that we can say, like, listen, this is the way the end times are going to roll, folks. This is it. You're living it. Uh, perilous times will come. They will disrupt the church. It will challenge people. It will take away freedoms uh, that we're used to that people have fought wars and died for, that will evoke an emotional response for us, that um, we live in a country that is supposed to be ruled by the Constitution. So it's going to draw us into a fight that's really not our fight to begin with. And uh, we, we shouldn't be surprised, number one, that the church is waning in popularity if it has any popularity at all. Number two, the reality of how this is handled from state to state makes comparisons very challenging because what's happening in California, you know, Jack Hibbs, I met a year ago for the very first time. I've listened to him for years. I've appreciated his ministry. I still do to this day. We've become friends. I text him back and forth uh, and have been for the last year, but I don't fully agree with him on this. It's fine. It's okay. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with the way he's handling it, um, but it doesn't matter. He does. I don't have to agree with him. He's my brother. I love him. And he's, people are getting saved in his church, and he's my buddy, and I'm not going to make that disagreement a big deal. In our, I'm going to text him. When I see a 1,000 people get baptized, uh, my text to him was, was not, geez, Jack, what's your problem, man? You're giving, a, you know, giving my opinion. My text to him is, dude, a 1,000 people getting baptized? That's an outpouring of the Spirit praying for you, brother. And, and knowing that even if I disagree with him, that's not my relationship with him. My relationship with him is as a brother. And, you know, what's happening in California is different than Colorado, that's different than Georgia, that's different than Florida. And, and I have friends all over the country that their governor, and I just want to predict that Governor Polis is going, going to get worse, not better here. 
it's going to get worse. We He's kind of been quiet and things, but I just saw on Twitter right now uh, that the numbers, we were 200 people in the hospital. Imagine that, 200 people in the entire state of Colorado uh, last week, and now we're 256, and that number is going to, just mark my words, I that number is going to be used to put more restrictions, not less. Even though some of those numbers represent isolated incidents, right, up in colleges where people are getting sick but not going to the hospital. They're healing up rather quickly. Um, and so that brings me to my third point. My third point is is that there are disagreements in the medical community um, as well. We have doctors in our church that say, no, you don't understand, Ed, masks are valid. We wear them at work for a reason. <laughs> like doctors and nurses before the COVID would examine you for a reason. They would put masks on for a reason. The dentists, when I would go to the dental office, they put masks on uh, for a reason. So to say that they don't necessarily work, I mean, it just depends on who, what expert you want to listen to, which leads me to a fourth part, and then I'll give you a follow-up. But there are a lot of things that the government does that we comply with that we don't like. I don't, and that needs to be remembered. For example, when you drove home today, you probably drove through a section that was 40 miles an hour, that went down to 35 miles an hour, that maybe when you drove into your neighborhood, it went down to 15. And that's the law of the land. That's what, that, that's, that's what they say. They say, this is what I want you to drive. We don't like it. We don't want to do it. We think we can drive faster and safer, but we willingly choose to, to trust at least the theory, if not the actual facts, that, hey, maybe it's 15 because a lot of kids are, are in this neighborhood and I just want to drive. I can, I can drive slower just in case a kid runs out, just in case. And the way that we've approached it that, that, that I encourage is, look, let's cooperate to the best of our ability until the, the government tells us to do something that we disobey God. And when we are cho- when we're given a mandate to either disobey God or uh, obey the government, disobey God, or obey God and disobey the government, then the decision is a no-brainer. We're going to obey God, whatever the consequences are. But here's the problem. The problem is that most believers don't want to pay the consequences of, of obeying God. So they take another route to get things changed. And it's uncomfortable. At our church, we require it. We're holding to the mandate of the state um, in wearing a mask indoors. We require it. Um, it's hard. I don't like it. I don't like it as much as anyone else doesn't like it, but you get used to it. You worship. I've led people to the Lord in masks. I've prayed for healing with a mask on. Uh, I've laid hands on people with masks. I have met wonderful people that gave their life to the Lord with a mask. I've done a lot of things with masks on. And um, if they want, right now, it's, it's, if they, if Costco wants me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. Um, and until it, infringes just like when i drive if i i, I don't like the seatbelt necessarily it's uncomfortable but it's a law to put it on i don't want a ticket i'm not necessarily thinking of my life when i put the di- i'm just thinking i don't want a ticket so i put it on i follow the speed limit i stay on the other side of the yellow lines i don't pass when it says don't pass uh, because to the best of my ability i want to obey the law of the land and i don't know that i'm going to help the gospel uh, and I, my personal conviction, and it can be dismissed, and I'm fine with that. But I, I know that 
I don't know that I want to be the most effective with the gospel. And if somebody does get sick in our church, somebody does get sick on our staff, I'm the one that has to sit across the table from them. If I have to go, if I have a officiate a funeral of someone that died from complications of COVID, I want to be able to look them in the eye and live a life above reproach to the best of my ability and said, in the leadership that I provide, I've done my best in the environment that we're in to think of you more highly than myself. Yeah, yeah, that, no, I, I respect that. That makes a lot of sense, uh, especially the way you put it there. Um, I, I guess my, um, what I was referring to that question is, you know, we, we kind of see almost like the storm on the horizon. We see something big coming. And, yes. um, you know, and I'm not downplaying, again, the uh, the COVID. It is for real, a, a for real virus. Uh, but it seems like, you know, the, the world governments have taken it to, for to run their purpose, to run their agenda. And if, if California are. looks like any, anything that's going to happen across the rest of the country soon, it could be a matter of months that the whole rest of the country is saying, hey, no more church, no more church, sorry, course, it's it too risky, no more church. So would you say that that would be against what God is telling us to do? And if they're telling us no more church, would it be biblical that we say, no, you know, we're going to go to church and fellowship as the Bible tells us to fellowship? Would that be an example there it would be an example but we also have to understand why why pick a fight where there doesn't need to be a fight so we don't gather together in a building we gather together in houses we gather together in a park we gather together underground like the church in china like i think that sometimes we can pick fights where they're not necessary but i i absolutely believe that when the government if they do and i agree with you the storms on the horizon i think it's coming i think it has come in many ways uh, it went when the, we use every means possible, we use the legal means. Some churches are doing that. We use uh, prayer, the spiritual part of that. And if the government declares, I mean, really, it's just men, it's just men, it's men ruling over men. And if the government declares, uh, in let's say Colorado, cause that's where we're at, uh, you cannot gather, you cannot gather, then we're going to be faced with a choice, aren't we? And then we'll make the choice as unto the Lord. Uh, and then we'll have to answer to the Lord for that choice. And I know in the beginning of this, we were very cautious. We didn't know what it was, uh, and we chose to cooperate. Um, but it it hurt the church not gathering together. And I just don't see um, the possibility of not gathering together again. I just don't see it. If the government wants to mandate it, then then the government's going to have to deal with it with the fallout of that because I can go to I can go up to Cripple Creek and whatever and gamble. I can go and buy plywood at Home Depot. I can walk the aisles of King Supers, but I can't come in a room and worship and sing to God. Please. Um, if But they could call a, a quit to everything, and then we just have to be creative. Um, we'd have to be creative, and, and they would be, if there was a mandate that you can't be the church anymore, please. Jared Polis, uh, you don't have the mind of Christ. We're not following you. And that's that. I, it's I like it's not as complicated as that, it sounds. Uh, <laughs> people, you know, would have to take that stance. And a lot of people might not be prepared to take that stance, but it might be a good opportunity to to really weed out just the people that are really wanting to follow Christ. You know, kind of like the, the disciples. And, you know, he's like, oh, are you going to follow me? And Peter's all like, yeah, where else? You know, you're the only one. You know, what else could we do with our lives? 
We just um, have to be careful. So I'm glad that I like that follow-up. We, we have to be careful because defining a true believer by whether they show up to a building or not, defining a true believer by how they behave. You know, I know people still haven't come. We've opened up. We're in person. We have guidelines going on in our church. But I know some people are still very afraid. Um, I don't hold them. Af- I don't. I don't hold that against them. I pray for them. I want to encourage them in the Lord. But it was like this woman years ago, uh, sweet, sweet sister, older lady in our church that uh, had never been baptized. And when we talked about bap- water baptism, I learned from her. She shared with me personally, and now it's public because I have permission to share it. But she shared with me personally that she was afraid of water. Literally, that's a real feel for her. It, it might seem irrational to other people, and perhaps it even is irrational. But who cares? It's what she had. And so I had a challenge that God placed before me, how to serve her, how to care for her, how to encourage her, how to, how to help her. And, and so it gave, it gave me an opportunity that she wasn't trying to disobey God. She was just wrestling with a fear and over, you know, gave me a couple months to really help her, encourage her, pray with her, come alongside with her husband. And you know what? She, all the way, she was so, I mean, it was real, man. Like she was shaking. Like it was, I was, I, as we got her all the way to the water, cause we were baptizing in the reservoir back then, rare reservoir. And she started walking and like, she's got stiff and didn't move. Like I can't take another step. And it's like, okay, one, we can do this. We can do this. And we dunked her. She went all the way under in obedience to the Lord. And, and so you're right. There is a shaking. There is a distinction. There is a there is a um, a separation. However, we just got to be careful because other people respond differently. And you know, if if meeting in a lo- large location is going to be such a big deal, then we as a church need to be innovative and get back into homes, get back into smaller groups, get back into. Um, and if we need to stand and say no, we're opening our doors, and anybody that wants to come can come, um, then we'll do that. And if some pastors want to file a lawsuit. They should do that. Um, I don't. I have no problem with holding to the biblical or to the Constitution of the United States. I have no problem with using the court system. I just know that my ministry personally has been called to go not two hundred years ago, but to go back two thousand years ago and keep pointing people to the cross. And I try to stay away from hypotheticals because hypotheticals um, they they haven't happened yet. And I try to live in the moment, and that helps me to make decisions because these are hard. Believe me, uh, these are hard decisions. But I can't see, and I hope. I mean, I hope I don't fail the test. I hope I don't fail the test if I come up against a uh, some authority and they tell us to do something, and in my leadership, I fail a test. I don't want to fail a test. I want to obey God, and I hope that every decision um, that I make honors God and also takes into account people. Like we're not, we're not, these aren't robots. You're not a robot. I'm not a robot. You're a real person with a real view. And I just like to say, hey, make sure you can back up your view by the Bible. Make sure that your view isn't backed up by another pastor and isn't backed up by a a human written document, but make sure that your view is backed up by the Bible. And remember what Jesus said, this has been sticking in my head um, through this whole time. And it's, it's a hard verse to receive, um, but Jesus said, and let me just read it to you. I'm gonna, I was going to do it from memory, but uh, let me just read it to you. Jesus said, uh, he said, the, uh, in John chapter 18, verse 36, 
He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. I mean, for goodness sakes, folks, we follow a Messiah that was crucified illegally and God still used it. Yeah, good words. Well, thanks, Pastor Edge. I am encouraged by you a lot. I am encouraged by your love for just the flock, for the people, for us. Um, and we pray for you. We pray for all you Thank pastors. you. Thank it's, you. A, it's amazing. It's hard. It's and amazing. I, it's I know hard. that other pastors have different views, and I just I don't want to make division or disagreement the, the arc of how we relate to one another. It's like, okay, do what you believe the Lord's called you to do, but let's remember we're going after a lost and dying world. And, and hey, man, even Jack Hibbs, like the brother is reaching the lost, and I'm glad to count him a brother, even if I don't fully agree with him. Yep, it's true. All right, man. God bless you, bro. You too, thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know... Um, just as we wind down the show today, it's, it is a challenge as believers, you know, not even the COVID crisis, but just um, relating to one another in, in knowing that we all don't, we're not going to see everything the same way ever, never, ever. Um, I want to suggest that you pick up this book by Miles McPherson, Pastor Miles McPherson, called The Third Option. Uh, it has a undertones of racial tension and, and bridging the racial divide, but the principles in it are applicable to all sorts of divisive things. Uh, and of course, it speaks to the current racial division. It can make you a better lover of people that are different than you, different languages, different citizenship statuses, different colors of skin, different upbringings. I mean, obviously, the Church of Jesus Christ should be the most loving and the least judgmental a body, group of people on the earth. So yes, 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 get Miles McPherson's book for this. But he he also gives a principle that's applicable even in times like this. He identifies how we all have in-groups and out-groups. And we usually define our out-group as someone different than our in-group. And what he means by that, in a summary, he does it much better, of course, but his summary is that we generally hang out with people we agree with. We generally hang out with people that we get along with. We generally have an in-group. That, that, man, we don't really disagree all that much. And if we're not careful, we will avoid anybody in our out group. Uh, we will avoid anybody listening to an alternative point of view, listening to, well, wait a minute, Ed, this is what I think and this is what I believe. And you go, oh, I don't want anything to do with that because you're my out group. And we usually define our out groups as someone different than our in group. And we, we need to define, we need to erase the lines of the circles and make sure that we're listening uh, that we're hearing, uh, like in this political environment, you may listen to Fox News a lot, but you should be listening to CNN too, because you're going to learn their perspective of people that you disagree with you. Why? So that you might pray for them and reach them with the gospel. That's why. Yeah, but they're liberals. Well, that's something we do at the out group. We label them, or you could even say they're conservatives, whatever viewpoint you hold. And we label them because if we can label people anything other than our neighbor, then we no longer have to love them because the mandate was to love our neighbor. And yes, somebody with a different political view is your neighbor. Somebody you believe is destroying the very fabric of our country is your neighbor. The gospel supersedes. I'm not in any way advocating the destruction of our country. I love our country. 
I'm not in any way advocating the destruction of our governmental system of checks and balances. I love our country. I'm grateful to be a part of it. I'm thankful for the men and women that have fought to protect our freedoms, to establish them, those that have even lost their lives. I, I'm not in any way advocating that, that we dismiss all of this, but I do know this, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. There is a new heaven and a new earth coming. And only the word of God and the souls of men are eternal. And I know that I held differing views when I was not a believer. I held different views politically. I held different views spiritually. I held different views on a lot of things. I've changed my mind a lot over the years. And I'm grateful for that. Because a lot of what defined me was sinful. But a lot of what defined me and my character was sinful. And I'm grateful that God has changed me over the years. And he's still changing me. I need to be changed. I still make mistakes. I still am judgmental. I'm still looking at my outgroup sometimes with judgmental heart. Or I want to be better, not worse. I want to have more friends, not less. I want to see more unity. I want to endeavor. I want to fight to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And uh, I love you guys. Even if I don't agree with you or you don't agree with me, I'm grateful to be a part of your life. And I'm grateful you're a part of my life. Come to Refresh. Come to refresh. We registrations open. That our theme is unity, and I can't wait to hear what our guests have to say. We want to love on you. We want to serve you here at Calvary Church. Go to calvaryco.church/refresh. You've and been listening we'll be to back Calvary tomorrow. Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.